So, I just need to give a little bit of context to this setup that we have right now. So, I am currently in Melbourne with Sarah. She's one of my AWPT mentors. I'm getting better at these um, intros as I go along, though. I kind of just start talking and don't even intro anyone. Um, And we are currently sitting in a studio apartment Airbnb uh, for the first ever in-person AWPT seminar in Melbourne. Pretty fun, hey? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, Sarah's driven up like two hours from Sale. Yeah, Sale. Yeah, yeah. in uh, regional Victoria, would you call it? Yeah, regional or Gippsland is probably the most common known for it. Yeah, and so she's driven up to Melbourne and we just had the first, yeah, in-person seminar day one yesterday, getting ready for day two today. Uh, Sarah helped me uh, do some teaching She's currently going through the six-month mentorship. Yeah. Give us a little bit of a background about um, who you are, what you do, where you want to go. Um, <laughs> You're probably better telling <laughs> telling everyone than I am. Okay. Um, so I'm a personal trainer. I have been for about seven years now. Um, I'm currently doing the mentorship because I want to expand my knowledge Um I really love training women, but I also am really passionate about injury, like, I guess, rehab. Um, So I'm currently in my final year of my Bachelor of Sport and Exercise Science, and then I plan to go on to a Master's of Physiotherapy. Awesome. And so what sort of got you into the whole training people in the first place, like health and fitness area? Um... Well, to be honest, I wanted to be a primary school teacher (laughs) and I started going to the gym and I was like, I can be a PT and study primary school teaching. Um, And then I took a gap year, did my PT course, started working and never did primary school teaching. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) well, that's perfect because like now you can actually teach physio and like exercise, sports, rehab performance stuff yes it's kind of come full circle (laughs) yeah exactly and yeah yeah, and and do more of the education side of things on this as well so you never really considered or thought about going into like peds physio pediatric physio or anything like that no I haven't really thought of that I think more the um working with people who are in the gym or play sport um athletes and stuff that's where what I find really enjoyable yeah, we spoke, we were just down at um, at a cafe having breakfast in Melbourne as you do, brunch, except an early brunch for Melbourne because I don't think people come out to like 10.30 or something. It's like, yeah, definitely way early. Like eight <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Um, and we were just talking about, um, yeah, like getting into sort of more of the performance and sports side of, um, you know, physio and rehab and performance. Um, and even like strength and conditioning type stuff. And, you know, down here in in Melbourne and and Victoria, the AFL is sort of kicking off for women, especially. And um, yeah, I don't think there is a great deal of women coaches in the area. Would be a lot of men. And, you know, who knows how well they know women's physiology and training. So perfect opportunity for you. Um, Did you play any sports growing up? Um, I played netball and then I did dancing as well. Um, and then as I got older, I just started training in the gym. Yeah. Um, and then went, did a few bodybuilding shows and that's pretty much it. 
Amazing. With yeah. a bikini shirt? Yeah, so uh, fitness modeling. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And so I guess, and this is like the typical, like, I want to get into physio story. Did you experience many injuries playing netball, bodybuilding? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not like typical in that way. I haven't really had any injuries. Oh, but great. Um, I think just seeing other people have them and then realizing that with some people like there's a better way to recover from them yeah um and just with my own clients seeing that like if they come in in a, a bit of pain or something so we do certain exercises and then they feel better when they leave um that really has pushed my interest yeah, yeah. I think I feel like I was kind of the same like I had a few niggles when I was playing sports um you know, growing up, but I never really, yeah, experienced that injury. So I think I do have a bias towards correct exercise and proper programming as a way to, um, yeah, get back to sort of, you know, more rehab or more of a rehab type approach when it comes to, you know, training and programming exercise selection and execution. Yeah, I think I'm, um, yeah, very similar in that way. I could always, yeah, like if I go for a run or something, my ankles might get sore, but it's not like an actual injury. Yeah. Never. Um, I think the most that I've done is I did like pull my lat, I think, but yeah. like after a week it was fine. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. otherwise nothing serious. Because I mean, that is the general way that injuries go. If you don't do anything to sort of aggravating it and not saying that like avoidance is a treatment but you know usually injuries get better on their own like they have you know this timeline of you know the body wants to get back to normal so if you don't do anything to sort of you know aggravate it and you're sort of doing things to help it then you know the body will heal like it wants to heal sort of on its own so yeah I mean I guess what sort of area do you prefer like what's your preferred style of training I guess like training yourself training your clients um I guess more in the strength sort I I do enjoy like hypertrophy stuff yeah um previous bodybuilding yeah that's kind of all I knew um and the strength stuff I really enjoy that as well so yeah I guess with my clients I try to get all of them under the bar and being able to lift weights basically yeah and to sort of integrate movement and start moving properly and things like that yeah working (laughs) on progressing the movements so depending on what things they can't do or what level they're at really starting with the basics and building up yeah so how did you find the transition from more hypertrophy style training to more strength training because like you do kind of go from being externally supported on these machines being able to like push high output kind of like exhausting your muscles um, and exhausting yourself to more of that like slower you know higher intensity but you know lower volume higher rest type training it was a bit of a change but I actually really liked it I think it was a good change because it wasn't so on the go all the time. Mm. Um, so my body responded really well to it, I found. I think it was actually, so after we did the 12 weeks of strength, it was harder going back to the hypertrophy because I'd gotten used to 
lower reps, more rest. And yeah. then all of a sudden it was like no rest <laughs> Yeah, higher <laughs> reps. So that was the harder part I actually found. Yeah, your body is really good at adapting to the stimulus that you place on it, like as we've sort of learned. So tell us, I guess, your numbers that you got over the 12 weeks. Like, because you killed it. Like you were pushing some really big numbers. Yeah, they were. I was pretty happy with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I can't remember the exact number for my squat, but I think it was 87.5. I think you got 97.5, didn't you? No, that was my deadlift. Oh, okay. I think it was 87.5, but it was low bar, and I'd never done low bar until the three weeks before we tested. Oh, crazy, yeah. I'd tried it a couple of times, but I couldn't, it didn't feel right, so until we did it. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that number because yeah. I hadn't really done much low bar. And tell us your body um, weight though. 62 yeah. kilos. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and my deadlift, 97.5. I tried the 100, but it just would not come off <laughs> You the know floor. what? That, that was totally just like a mind thing. You totally could have done that because that 97 <laughs> and a half flew up. You just needed someone there. You needed yeah, like... Probably. But then I... I was like, okay, I couldn't get the 100, so I was like, okay, I'll go back to the 97.5. But I don't know what I miscalculated, and I went back to like 90 or something. I was like, why does this feel so easy, but I can't get the extra 2.5? And then I realized, I was like, okay, because you took like 10 kilos off the bar. (laughs) Um, And then my bench was 55 kilos. Awesome. Which is the most I've ever done. I couldn't, I used, my max before was 50 Yeah, and that was with my back flat. So yeah. it was a struggle. That's awesome. Almost to like, almost a body weight. Yeah. I don't think I've ever reached my body weight yet either because we know, you it's know. It's a pretty hard thing for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is like a more of a difficult thing for women as we can't scale our upper body strength as well as men. But, you know, with, with our lower body strength, it can sort of be that one-to-one um, ratio, you know, in terms of our body weight. So, <clears throat> I mean, I guess, how do you, like, I want to get into a little bit about, you know, the way that you program or the way that you think about programming for, um, you know, say like what I guess is the most common injury that you find your clients experience, like whether, it, whether it's knee or it's back um probably lower back lower back yeah yeah and so and so how do you kind of address that with your in your experience of you know exercise rehab that you sort of either learnt through uni learnt through your own uh personal and professional experience or you know through other ways that you've sort of you've learnt over the years um well I guess I focus on find out why like what they do and if there's a correlation between their job which there generally is they're Mm. either um are like moving things around a lot or they're sitting down all day so finding out that stuff to start with and then um I generally work on strengthening the glutes and the core um but actually just getting them to be moving properly through their bigger lifts so getting them stronger in their squats and deadlifts mm-hmm. they although a lot of them are scared to deadlift at the start I was but, just about to say yeah the- um I would normally progress that by starting them with a Romanian or something and then gradually building it up but that 
yeah, seems to help or um, get yeah. them to actually understand how to switch, not switch the muscles on because they're already on, but how to um, like c- contract the muscles properly. Yeah. Because they'll be like, okay, what muscle is this working? And they have no idea until I actually touch it. And then they're like, oh, now I feel it. Yeah. And that really seems to help. Yeah. Once they understand what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So that tactile feedback, I guess, is really important when it comes to, um, yeah, like training people and, you know, getting them to actually – because, you know, people are different learners. Like some people are really good – you know, visual learners, some people are good auditory learners, you know, and some people require that kinesthetic feedback. So, you know, that's where, you know, there is such a move towards online training now, but there is still a need for in-person. And, you know, I refer people to um, people in person if, if I think someone needs it. Like if I think, you know, I, I've had people with chronic pain reach out to me and that's a tough one like that's a really hard one to um to do online like that requires a lot of you know a lot more <clears throat> support and um encouragement so I have turned people away and been like look this isn't something that we can really do online sometimes we start with online programming and, and I've definitely got people to a point where you know they've improved a lot but then it comes to a point where it's like fine-tuning things like sometimes it really just comes down to that fine-tuning and you know that touch here or that touch there and and really like being able to see in person like the minor or the really small differences um you know between so yeah I think that's awesome that you you identify first what uh the issue is or sort of where it's coming from and then looking at ways to you know you know, if we talk about um, injury, you know, we talk about applied force being greater than tissue tolerance, you know, that's the equation for an injury. So, you know, a lot of the times, you know, we just look at that tissue tolerance and yes, like we can build up tissue tolerance and, and strengthen our core and strengthen our glutes and everything like that. But looking at, you know, how much applied force is actually being applied to the body and, and recognizing that. And so, like you said, you know, if someone is, you know, in positions, like say they're sitting all day at a desk, you know, getting them to sort of move, get up and move a little bit more, go from sit to stand, things like that, you know, just take that applied force down a notch or, um, you know, if they are really active and they're doing a lot of bending over and lifting things and picking things up, you know, how can we, you know, manage that sort of loading as well and sort of bringing it, you know, bringing it right back and then gradually building back up again, I think is super important because, you know, you're not going to, you know, in some cases you can't change your job and, you know, you sort of have to be able to manage it as much as you can. Um, and, you know, being able to, I guess, yeah, look at the whole picture rather than just looking at sort of one section is really important. So, yeah, I think that's really important that you identify that as well and, and you know, build a program that's going to gradually you know, increase their strength as well as looking at the other side of the equation too. Yeah, definitely working on, yeah, increasing that strength but focusing on where they're unstable and um, trying to get that whole picture to actually 
not just make them or um, get them out of pain, but to actually figure out why they're in pain in the first place. So yeah. we can try to hopefully reduce that at the start. Yeah. And I guess getting them even stronger than before so that it doesn't doesn't happen again or it doesn't come back. You know, it's it's I think, yeah, movement is it's something that's lifelong and it's worth investing in rather than just letting things get bad and bad and like worse and worse and worse. And then you get to a point where you, you can't do much because it's like you use it or lose it. Yeah, right? definitely. It's either, yeah, you, you know, you, you can't – or you're not necessarily going to change your job. So, you know, you have to do something about it. You can't just keep avoiding more and more things. And then it's sort of, you know, then you will be out of a job anyway. So, yeah, I think that's super important. So are there any other points, I guess, um, or any other – injuries things that you sort of look at things that you sort of address when you are talking to your clients like uh, you know do you address things like um stress management or any other sort of lifestyle factors that you look at yeah I do try to look at those things um as much as possible in some cases like one of my client has a lot of stress that there's nothing that we can do about it at the moment so we just have to try to find ways to work around it like trying to improve sleep and making sure they get drinking enough water eating the right kind of foods Mm. um eating enough food is a big thing Mm -hmm. so yeah I definitely try to focus on those kinds of things as well yeah like control what you can control because there are things in life that you can't control and then yeah it's yeah definitely like addressing all those things because you know, yeah, like we said before, dieting is a stress, exercise, like training is a stress, can be a stress, can be a stress reliever as well. And then, you know, we have all these other life stresses. So definitely, you know, what we can control is, you know, our diet, make sure we're eating enough, you know, proper programming and loading, making sure that you know, if there are, if there is high stress at that particular point in time, managing the load in our programs is important, but also, you know, staying physically active is going to help, you know, with your mindset and things like that. And then, yeah, like you said, sleep, super, super important. You know, I guess, you know, implementing whatever sort of technique is going to help with stress relief. Some people it's medica- uh, medication, meditation, some people it's um journaling some people it's taking a bath some people it's reading a book you know whatever that sort of is like taking time out to also you know manage stress and you know maybe it's talking to a friend or something like that as well yeah definitely trying to find what works for each person because everyone is so individual in that way Mm. so yeah working together to figure those things out is really important yeah, and it's it's like addressing that psychosomatic side of of pain as well because, you know, we know that people in chronic pain, you know, there might not necessarily be any sort of tissue damage or something like that. Then, you know, there might, there might have been an injury whereas, you know, the time that's passed, the injury is healed but they're still experiencing or, you know, on a scan they might not show anything up that's actually showing any sort of damage or any sort of um, thing that should be causing them pain, but they're still experiencing pain. So it's like, you know, that, um, 
that psychosomatic like side of pain where you know the brain is highly sensitized maybe there was a traumatic <clears throat> event around the injury maybe you know again like there is something going on in their life where they're highly emotional or you know there's a really stressful event you know over a period of time you know when anxiety levels or stress levels are raised for a long period of time it can really sensitize the nervous system and the brain is really sensitive to pain and it can heighten the perception of pain even if there isn't necessarily an injury or damage still occurring there so I mean we're not psychologists but we kind of have to you know look at other things rather than just a body part like we're looking at whole people you know, as exercise and sports scientists as coaches as physios um, whoever it may be we know that you know it's not necessarily always an isolated event in that in that case as well yeah definitely it's about looking at them as a whole and not just seeing the injury and then being like oh well there's no nothing there so you shouldn't be feeling pain um and because everyone feels pain so differently as well mm. so it's really hard to i guess explain how they're feeling but yeah we just have to take them all as individuals and be more empathetic as well yeah for sure i think that's a really important point to make that yeah everyone experiences pain differently and I have so many clients come to me and they're like, I've just been told it's all in my head. It's all in my head. And they, it, like that doesn't validate their experience. That, yeah, it dismisses their experience and they feel unseen and unheard and it can kind of create a little bit more helplessness. It's like, you know what's wrong with me nobody understands me nobody understands what I'm going in so I think you know as coaches and physios clinicians whoever's listening to this like validate your client's experience because to them it's real like even if nothing's sort of showing up or justifying that on a scan you can't invalidate someone's experience because you're not experiencing it so yeah I think first and foremost like empathizing with them and you know giving them that validation that you understand what they're going through even though you might not have experienced it yourself you know you can't necessarily understand you might not necessarily you know have been through that or understand that experience but you can still empathize with them and and that makes them feel a lot better as well and that can really help with the healing process as well just knowing that you know their experience is valid and they're not weird or they're not um yeah they're not making things up in their head and they're not crazy is definitely yeah something that's going to help with that healing process as well yeah it definitely makes a big difference when it comes to that um and even like another example is especially with A lot of women, if they have endometriosis or different um, issues with their menstrual cycle, so many are told that it's in their head and that's like, yeah, the doctors need to actually be empathizing with them because that's why a lot of people take longer to get diagnosed because they don't believe that there's actually something there. So it works the same with injuries. Yeah, we need to be actually listening to how they feel and not just thinking about how we feel about it. 
Yeah, they just think it's like a, a bad PMS or something like that. So they dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that because, you know, there are so many women that do experience like really painful periods and it can get to a point where, you know, they are incapacitated in some cases like they have to spend time in bed and you know they're sort of not I guess exploring like deeper or further into that and there are cases as well where stressful situations in life can have an effect on that like no system exists in isolation like if you're going through something you know in your life you know some sort of traumatic experience you know you know, I don't, I don't want to get too sort of dark here, but, you know, experiences with, you know, women who have experienced sexual abuse or rape or anything like that, you know, they can have like this, you know, we hold, we do tend to hold emotions in certain parts of our body as well. And like anything sort of sexually traumatic or something like that can be held in that sort of, you know, that reproductive area as well and experiencing pain there. I had, I can give an example of one time, I had a client in a clinic and, um, you know, I was seeing her quite regularly. She knew, you know, how we sort of treated when I was doing sort of more manual therapy, hands-on work. And she sort of knew, you know, what was going on. We got to the part where I was doing a spinal adjustment, spinal manipulation, and she'd had it done before many times. And this one time that I did it, we got a, and I I can't remember, it was a long time ago now, but I think... You know, it used to be quite difficult for her to like to actually get the adjustments or get the manipulations. And this time we had a really good one. It went like right up the back sort of thing. And she started crying and I was like, oh my God, did I hurt you? Did I do something? Because it can be like, you know, she was used to like the, the, the noises and the popping and things like that. She knew it was, it was safe. And she started crying. And I was like, oh my God, I've like, what have I done? And she's like, no, that was just such a release of emotion. She's like, I don't even know why I'm crying right now. She's like, that was just, it just felt like such a release. And I was like, oh my God, you scared me. But yeah, like we can sort of hold, and we know like, you know, when we're stressed, we do hold this tension in the body. We do hold it, you know, some people it's like upper traps. If we're doing some shallow breathing, you know, those accessory muscles of breathing can get really tight, can get really tense. And we do hold you know, some people will experience tension headaches if they're sort of really thinking about something or, you know, this furrowed brow or whatever it is. But I think we we need to start listening to our bodies a lot more. I think sometimes we kind of just throw it under the mat and be like, oh, like, you know, forget about it sort of thing. Like our mind goes, just forget about it. Like, or it'll get better or something like that. But I really think, you know, as a society now, we're so fast paced and we're always doing things that we don't just stop, go inward and listen. Like your body is trying to tell you something. Like if there's an injury or if there's pain, like your body, if something doesn't feel right, like your body is telling you, you know, we're always switched on like our brain is always thinking like we've got this this monkey mind that's always just going through all these things but we don't just stop and listen to our bodies which I think is super important these days like especially because we're we're so switched on with everything that's going on there's so much sensory input 
that kind of distracts us a little bit from what's going on inside. Yeah, I agree. We really do need to start listening to our bodies more. And I guess we always, you kind of get to a point if you don't listen to your body, then it gets worse and worse and it finds a way to make you stop if that's what it's been trying to tell you. Um, So, yeah, it's really important to actually pay attention when you first start to notice things, not when it gets to that point where you can't do anything anymore or you're feeling really horrible. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's really important. Um, So I want to switch gears a little bit more now because I want to talk a little bit more about you and your journey because, you know, there are a lot of coaches who sort of think about going down the exercise and sports science route or going down the physio route. I guess first question. So you're in third year of exercise and sports science and you're thinking of going into physio to do your master's over the next two years how I guess are you managing because you work as a personal trainer as well as a coach yeah how are you man and you're going through the mentorship how are you managing how do you manage your time to do that how do you um you know prioritize certain things and how do you I guess um yeah how do you put that all together and you, you know you must be so busy you've got a partner at home like how do you like structure your life so that you're able to put energy into all of those aspects and areas? It's It can definitely be a challenge. Um, I guess for me, I've been working, I guess not really considering last year, but <laughs> working like full-time and studying full-time the whole time that I've been doing it. So I've just kind of had to find a way. Um, but really... I use my like Google calendar a lot and then I just figure out I'm pretty lucky with my clients. So I have a few in the morning, a few in the afternoon. So then I have the middle of the day kind of to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. So I'll use that time. I have four different subjects at uni. So I pick a day for each one and I kind of focus on that. And then hopefully after sort of time batch, I guess. So be like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour on this. And then if I don't get it done, I'll just have to come back to it later. Um, because otherwise I could just spend way too long on something and then be really unproductive. So I try to, the week, like before the week starts, planning out everything that I'm going to do for the week and make sure that I make time to get my training in. And hopefully I can get most stuff done from Monday to Friday. So then on the weekends, I only have a little bit to do or I can still spend time with my partner or go out with friends or something to still have a little bit of a laugh. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And I love that, you know, it's kind of the route I went as well where, you know, what you do, like what you're studying as well is such a big part of your life is your passion. Like you are passionate about training and so you integrate and, you know, with the mentorship for example like your training is part of your homework like it's part of your learning experience because we'll go through a session you know each week and then we'll we'll train that or that will be the focus in the gym and then I guess that sort of ties into like the everything with exercise and sports science and uni and things like that so you really you know you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of like integrating all these parts where it's just like this is your life now 
like yeah, welcome um but I that but doing the mentorship has really helped with my study because we talk about things in there and I'm like oh I remember you learning that in uni or then we learn something in uni I'm like oh we talked about that in the mentorship so yeah. it's good that they do interchange so much yeah um and then everything that I learn in both, I can then go and practice with my clients. Yeah, and and in the gym, like I think that's yeah. so important. I think, I think being able to, because first of all, like experience it yourself, like do it in your own training and have you as your number one, I guess, subject, your number one client, your number one experience, I guess. And then going to teach that onto your clients is how you learn better. Like that's how I've sort of found, you know, over the years, like whenever I teach, I learn so much. And then, you know, the people I teach will come back to me with something and and say something. I'll be like, yes, like that's amazing. Like, you know, I will learn you know, off them as well. Like you learn off your clients. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really good cycle like that. So yeah, everything that I learn, then I teach them. And then when they ask questions, it just really helps cement what you're learning. And Mm. yeah, it works really well. Yeah, it really helps implement it. Yeah. Yeah, so you know your shit. Awesome. And so then I guess like what are your biggest aspirations for the future as a coach as a exercise and sports scientist or as a physio um a little bit up in the air at the moment I guess because there's kind of so many different things that I want to take yeah yeah but I really um especially after this weekend I've really enjoyed the teaching and educating so that's something I would really like to be able to integrate and then um, yeah, working with athletes or or people that play sport pretty much, I think, with, with my physio. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then with my coaching, just continuing to improve myself as a coach and help my clients better. Yeah, That's, like integrate that coaching, that performance, that rehab yeah. slash performance, like bridging the gap. Yeah, pretty Love much. Love it. Yes. That's like the new slogan. It's like... <laughs> Bridging the gap between rehab and performance. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, that's what we do here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Sarah. We have got to jump off because we've got a second day of our seminar to run. But um, thanks for joining me in this little studio, nice and cozy. Thank you for having me. It's been great. (laughs)